hella over. Alright, welcome everybody to the inaugural No Holds Barred main event episode of Hella Over, a brand new San Francisco Bay Area podcast dedicated to all things professional wrestling, rumors, news, reviews, dirt sheets, interviews, anything and everything under the wrestling sun. I'm your host, the savage Adrian James, and joining me today are two of my tag team partners. First, my co-host for today, Mr. Ken. How you doing, Ken? Yes, sir. Right, and then I have our second guest for today, um, none other than Jimmy. What's going on, Jimmy? How you doing, man? All right, so uh, happy New Year to everybody. Um, we're recording this on New Year's Eve, so by the time this is released, it should be 2023. Um, and what a year it's been for professional wrestling. Um, we had so many different moments happen, memorable moments, controversial moments, and that's going to be the topic of conversation today. But before we get into that... Um, we really wanted to start this podcast because we're just a bunch of friends that really love wrestling. And I feel like there's so many different types of uh, professional wrestling media out there, whether it be like news, um, fantasy booking, um, just anything on YouTube, Spotify, other podcasts. But there's never really one where folks get to just sit down and talk wrestling, you know, from an unprofessional perspective and just having fun. Um, so my first question for the both of you is, uh, what is professional wrestling mean to you and uh you know and i guess what do you get out of professional wrestling why do you like it so much uh yeah definitely i think you know growing up watching wrestling i'm sure all of us you know have done the same um you know and it's just entertainment as a kid but you know as as an adult it's kind of entertainment in its purest form because you know watching it again you kind of get that childlike sense of like excitement you know seeing it and like seeing these guys these performers come up and even though you know the the matches are predetermined all that like the performances is magic and it kind of you know gets you back into it it makes you you know remember those moments as a kid when like wrestlemania was huge and the rock and the undertaker were fighting you know all that stuff and like you know just like the theater of it the magic like behind it i, I think that's what really makes it special and kind of you know what brought me back to it again um you know watching in the last couple of years how about uh, for you guys? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the same. I mean, being millennial babies, I mean, it's like we love nostalgia. And you grew up knowing an era that was amazing to you to watch, right? I mean, we can call it what it is, like fake. Right? And we hate that. I mean, as fans, we hate that because everything they do is just it's, it's like theater. It's men's drama, essentially, with like stories and just physical routine um as a part of it to play out stories and as 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 you grew up you watch in a different way right i mean wrestling became a respect for the performer for me where it was like these guys seem like they're great people yeah it's kind of like a paranormal social or parasocial dynamic to it but you're like you're assuming that these guys are good people and they deserve like the best right they deserve a push they deserve their career to be successful and you know you you end up watching the art of it and and then watching the backstage of it for me was a lot more entertaining than everything that a wrestling product can put out the holistic like thing about wrestling is just so intriguing to me and that's why i watch it again i started back up back in like 2014 2015 ish 
just out of nowhere. I missed the entire Ruthless Aggression era, unfortunately, and Punk era. And But, mo- like, the modern wrestling for me is just... just it's like respecting... A, it's like watching your favorite celebrity perform, like, in a movie or something. And it's kind of like that for me now. I think I, I really agree with um, what you both said. Because, like, you know, it really is that, that nostalgia factor. And it's that... Um, you know, things that we loved as kids, right? Um, these larger than life characters, um, as they always talk about, like, uh, whenever, like, wrestlers do, like, shoot interviews and stuff, they always talk about how um, they saw these people on TV just playing something that's larger than life, somebody that looks unstoppable, that just has this charisma about them, right? And, like, alluding to that that idea of, you know, wrestlers kind of being like actors, I feel like they take that acting, um, as bad as it may be sometimes, uh, they take that acting, but they they wear it on their sleeve. Like that character doesn't leave them. You know what I mean? Like some aspect of that gimmick, some aspect of that person that they're playing on TV in front of a live crowd goes home with them. You know, it's something that they craft and they're constantly working on. You know, we see like movie stars and other actors. You know, they do it for one film, one TV show, and they're good. But these these dudes and these women, you know, they take it with them on the road. Uh, on TV, wherever they are, and, like, meeting fans. I think that's, like, a big part of it. And I think that's what really draws me to wrestling, too, is, again, that, like like Jimmy mentioned, is, like, the, the people factor. Like, these, these humans risking their lives and their bodies for the sake of, you know, fucking entertainment and shit. But I think for me, uh, as, like, an on-and-off wrestling fan, too, you know, I started ro- watching during, like, the Attitude Era. Ruthless Aggression was definitely my favorite. The Monday Night Wars, I vividly remember. Um, some of that and then uh fell off probably when like the roster was super thin especially for like wwe when like it was randy and uh, cena that were dominating the scene because they had nobody else you know to lock up their main event scene i got to go through the shield i got to go through cm punk's era just all that stuff and i think yeah it's just really just the larger than life characters and just seeing how the politics of wrestling. I'm really into the politics of wrestling. What happens backstage? Who gets pushed? Who gets TV time? You know, what people are thinking, all the backstage heat. Like, I'm all for that stuff. Um, and I think that's what keeps me going with uh, with wrestling. Right on. So thank you for sharing those thoughts. So I got another question for y'all. We hear this term over a lot in, in the wrestling world, right? Everybody says, oh, this person's over. That person's over. This gimmick is over. That segment was over. But what does over really mean? Um, what do you guys think when you hear that word over? What does it mean to you? I mean, being over just means that you're it, man. Like no matter what you do, whether you're heel, whether you're good or bad, like pe- the people are gonna love you. Um, like to say a, an example is Sami Zayn. I love that man. Like I started watching wrestling again in 2018. You know, took a break from you know 2010 to 2018. So a big gap. I missed a lot of stuff, but just coming back in and then like seeing Sami Zayn. The thing I love about him is he looks like a normal dude. And I think that's what people appreciate about him too, you know, minus the comedy aspect and his like performances as an artist and like being an amazing wrestler. Like that dude is someone you can get behind. And like, you know, that's what being over is, is, is like people root for you. People want to be behind you regardless of what you're doing, whether you're kicking your best friend in the face or, you know, or, you know, dropping a belt or whatever it may be. And, you know, that's what over is. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the general gist of it. It's, it's your, you as your character is something that the audience can get behind, right? 
whether it's a heel or a face, they want to boo you or they want to cheer for you, right? And and that's like the core of it for me. And I guess there's multiple definitions for it, but it's just like it's it's pretty much that getting getting the audience and the viewers behind you, whether good or bad. And like they, you love to hate someone, right? MJF, mm -hmm. perfect example. You love to hate him, but you you respect it, and that's that's like heel. He's a true heel over type, right? Let's let's say a different example. Like Jericho puts people over, like he knows the art of like boosting someone, right? Like that that is that is another art where where someone can be over, right? And I, I agree with that too. It's you know this this idea of being over is like you know you hear all the all the wrestlers all the performers and like all the backstage producers that say like you know over is you know being accepted by the crowd but i think for me like being over kind of like how ken mentioned sammy zane is over with the crowd right now is somebody or something whether it be a segment gimmick whatever it may be is someone that will never lose value um no matter how many times they lose or whatever situation they get put in. Um, an example for me would be somebody like Rey Mysterio, right? Mm. You're never gonna boo Rey, no matter how many times he loses, right? You would want no, to, right. but we, we did boo him have... at that well event <laughs> when when Dom was <laughs> <Yeah. there. laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, like you'll you'll cheer on whatever segment he's in, but it's like, do you ever imagine a crowd like kind of booing Rey Mysterio? And no, no, he's a legend. Exactly, it's yeah, you. A you he achieved a legendary over status. Like you just respect him in the sense that he's been in the game for so long, and he's always like the. He's never been healed for as far as I know, right? No, not at all. And usually, like he's a small guy too, and usually they're not treated that well. You know, like it's usually the bigger men. So the fact that he's you know reigned that that long. You know, being him in a smaller stature, a stature, I think that goes a long way. It's a very good point that you just never like that kind of thing for Ray's. You just, you just never, you never disrespect him, right? You always appreciate his art, and that no, definitely really over. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because look at other dudes like Akira Tozawa. <laughs> He's never gonna get pinned like that fool. <laughs> Laid out by Ray, you know that's not Ray. So you know he has that that respect. It's odd that that Akira is is actually over with the crowd too. Yeah, <laughs> he is though. Like he he you know, and I, I think that goes back to you know the different definitions of being over because he's over in a different way, but like more of that comedic aspect way where you're just like he's cool. Like I wish they did more with him, but he ain't gonna be the universal champ. He got yeah. the R truth treatment. Yeah, yeah, you got the comedic, the comedic section, which is cool. Like the the comedic, the comedy segments with with wrestlers that are you know listed as jobbers. That's cool, but hey, they're still entertaining the crowd and stuff. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But like to reach the status of like a Rey Mysterio, a Taker, dude. I I feel like even Darby Allen is on his way up there to being that type of over for uh for AEW. You know, oh. it's like you're always gonna wanna cheer him on um you always want to see him win even if you could read the match and be like oh this fool's about to lose there's there's never going to be a day where he comes out and people are booing him and saying that he sucks because he just has that he has that aspect of him right another good person another good example would be like jeff hardy right as you know controversial a figure as he is in the background with his personal demons 
he's hella over, you know, like you're old, when you see Jeff, you're, you're never going to be disappointed. Minus the stuff that, he, that happens in the background with him, but you know, just like matches and just seeing him on TV, like he's, you know, again, he's hella over. There's, there's that aspect um, and that presence about him that, you know, you're never, like Jimmy said, you're never going to disrespect, um, you know, that, that person. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Hardy's one of those probably he, universal. He's a you know. like, oh, yeah, he's, he's iconic, but he's a. Uh... He might be one of those, though. Unfortunately, he he might have fallen off the Ray the Ray Mysterio respect aspect. Mm. Like he, yeah, I don't know if he's ever gonna wrestle again. Like I hope he gets better. Mm-hmm. He's a beast, but I don't think yeah. he's like on a. I know people frown frown upon this name, but he's not on Chris Benoit's level. You know what I mean? So he's. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Level. If we're if we're talking levels of controversy i don't think he's gonna get to that point no no never yeah. but he's yeah there's that's, some there goes, uh, that's, that's there goes uh, the monetization for the last episode there's team extreme remember, uh, and that's extreme i remember uh, uh at raw um at um in sj the the raw that we that we went to um there was, there was i think i forgot who it was but i want to say it was like Seth versus Bobby for the uh, U.S. title, right? And I think Seth hit him with a crossface. <laughs> and I shattered up into the crowd. I'm like, yo, that crossface looks crippler. And then this dude turns around and is like, dude, don't say that. <laughs> so you know that chicken from the records. What was it? The UK, the UK uh, Clash at the Castle. There was one, like, cunt that was fucking wearing, um, like, a Chris Benoit t-shirt, wasn't he? Did you guys oh, see that? Shit. No, that's a no bold way. move. I don't know, that's a bold move. He was wearing like, he, or there was like a sign or a T-shirt that was like, like saying some disrespectful shit, like like with like a Chris Benoit reference. I I forget I forget it off the top of my head right now, but go look for it later. Damn. Um, definitely. Anyway, just somebody all in know. the crowd trying to get over. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of that, yeah. over. Yeah. But yeah, let's uh, look. Sure. Let's get off the uh, demonetization topic. Demonetization, a <laughs> hey, hey man, hey for for what for what he should who should not be named was like, <laughs> hey man, you you can't deny that that person was a savage t- uh, technical wrestler, man. I mean, <laughs> one, of the, one of the goats, like one of the goats. Guy. Yeah, yeah, but fuck what he did. <laughs> yeah. Now we're going to go ahead and segue into the main topic of uh, this episode. So like I mentioned before, 2022 is crazy, man. Like we're still coming off like the cusp of, you know, COVID, the world reopening, all that other jazz. And I feel like in the last couple of years, like the wrestling world, no matter what promotion it was, kind of went through its own like transition and transformation too. It was a big year for wrestling. I feel like we could all agree on on that, um, on that comment that, you know, there's so much stuff that happened that was good for the business, bad for the business, but I don't, I don't personally foresee there being another year that could top this, you know, with everything going on. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go over our top five wrestling moments of 2022. Um, and these were handpicked by each of us and we all, have our favorites. We all have our favorite wrestlers, our favorite moments, our favorite promotions. Um, it's just a list that we all decided to compile. So I'm going to go ahead and start off with mine at number five. Um, number five for me 
uh, was the MJF pipe bomb. I feel like everybody would agree that that was probably one of the biggest moments of this year. Um, and the reason why I chose uh, the MJF pipe bomb is because it's the first time in a while that a promotion, especially a new promotion with as big as an audience that it has AEW having that grand scale, not on the level of WWE, but somewhere pretty damn close to really blur the lines between kayfabe and reality. And I feel like Tony Khan really, really did that successfully um, and allowed MJF to do what he wanted to do. But for me personally, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell if this was supposed to happen, if this wasn't supposed to happen. They played it well on YouTube where they removed um, any official like um, video recording of MJF doing the pipe bomb. They didn't put it on their channel at all. Uh, they removed MJF from their roster on their website, which is pretty fucking crazy to me. And just the, just this, the the stuff that he talked about too was legit. I'm a mark. I never liked MJF in the beginning. I was like, okay, cool, whatever. And then I became one of those fools. I was like, you know what? This guy's pretty cool. And I, I was, that's cool with me. I don't mind jumping on the bandwagon. And I, I give respect where respect is due when it comes to folks on the stick. Um, and that that promo really sold me. And just just the fact that he he called out Tony Khan. And Tony Khan had the balls to be like, hey, do whatever, say whatever the fuck you want. Definitely a replication of CM Punk's pipe bomb. But he, he did bring up a lot of uh, a lot of different like topics and opinions about Tony Khan that would filter in to like other AEW controversies later on, like really calling him a mark and just a wrestling fan with money that's able to put on a promotion like this. I guess I guess that that one was I mean, M MJ. I do have MJM one, MJF one myself, but I didn't uh, take in for the fact that the impact of that, right? Like we all know, MJF is like the king of kayfabe currently in all in between every promotion possible. This man will be staying in character and as much as he can, if if not always, and just he he has that fine. He walks that fine line of like. Just knowing how to balance kayfabe and just giving you the audience a little bit of the real self, right? Just barely, barely mm -hmm. enough, and that—that that is such an art from him. But that pipe bomb, I uh, was something. Yeah, I. When you take someone off the 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 merch roster, that was like a nice little touch, right? Like, like because you know everything, everybody in the modern wrestling era just such searching stuff for on the internet oh is this real that's what AEW does the best i think where they just they 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 let you have fun on on your side here like you have to look up like hey is this real is, is this a thing and it, they keep you intrigued in that way right i mean let's let's call a spade a spade everybody thinks that they're smarter than the industry you know exactly. myself included so, exactly. <laughs> you know exactly yeah. why else are we doing this yeah but that's a good point you brought up too jimmy i like that you mentioned like especially in this day and age where you could search up anything like they did keep that you know mm -hmm. pretty like quiet like no because like zero. nobody knew what was really going on so zero I think that was a good though yeah you can even bump that up to number one in fact you know what <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the take i don't know one no that's a good number five my number five is actually a, a mjf thing just as hey. just as uh 
agents is. But for me, number five in 2022, MJF being the AEW champion. The process that it led to, like, the the long time he disappeared, because this is a great segue, so it's like that pipe bomb, the work he did before it, the, the he disappeared, you're like, is this real? Like, hey, this zero things I searched up. Like, I can't find anything. And it's like, all right, there's got to be some way they're leading it into. And then the little subtlety in for him to win the casino chip. And just the way he did it, the little voicemail at the end. Like, you all know it's him. Like, we all think we're so mm-hmm. smart. We, 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 we know it's him. But there's always that little bit of doubt. And you're just like fuck, AEW, you're doing this to me, and this is working. MJF, you're doing this. Like, you have worked the shit out of me, and I'm a mark for this, but and I, but I'm in. Like, I'm in on this. And I was like, I want it to be him. I want him to win it. And I want, at the end of the show, the surprise. We all know it's coming. It should be him, but we're just anticipating it. And that kind of moment is, like, what's beautiful about wrestling right now, right? And that yeah. that was, like, so iconic for me. And you just hear the voicemail, that, that little... I don't even know if it's fake or not at this point, the, the voicemail. But the voicemail little subtlety was so beautiful. And he just turns around and it's him. And then it, the path that it led, all the great promos that led up to him winning the chip. And he was so, so over, like, just even prior to that pay-per-view. And, like, you could not have him lose in in any way. And... He was unstoppable, and now he should have a long reign, like a, just being a terror. Yeah, most definitely, they had the better made after him. It has this fucking scarf design and everything. Devon yeah. is ready. He's yeah. gonna be a champ for a while. The voice, the voicemail was like the the chef's kiss for me because, oh like, yeah, oh yeah, it's like it's it's funny because like when you heard it, it's like okay, this shit is fake, but like man, I'm invested. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted it. I wanted it. I wanted to believe. Yeah, yeah, he got the millions. Yeah, he got the bread. He's like, there's no way he's coming back unless he gets yeah. paid. Like, yeah, and like he's the king of low hanging fruit, as, as <laughs> I mean, everybody else says. It works. It works so fucking well for him he knows how to ma- he's mastered it like when you hear them say this like people describing mjf now is that that guy's a pro man i can't even imagine like i'm not a part of the industry but boy do i wish i could see that other side of him like how professional he is professional yeah. in the sense where he knows every little aspect of the business so for my number five let's just get the the you know elephant in the room out of the way i'm gonna say vince leaving that was you know a significant moment because fuck him and he's gone <laughs> and like it, it really changed the culture you know like people are happy um there's not as many you know releases and all that stuff and like they're giving triple h kind of the creative freedom and you know allowing the wrestlers to really be themselves which i think is kind of cool like there's still some people that, that I think need help, like Mustafa Ali. That man's just gonna lose forever. He, he fucking needs to leave or something, you know. But um I, I think just like Vince leaving really was a big, you know, shake up that the WWE needed with the storylines getting stale and you know, just things being repetitive. Um and I think, you know, they're taking a step in the right direction. Um I'm I'm a little disappointed that Charlotte Charlotte uh, Flair won her fourteenth time. I'm like, bitch, you you won so many times, give someone else a chance. But you know what? We're still doing it right with Vince being gone, so the world's longest back. Can't talk about the pancakes, man. <laughs> hey, shout out to Charlotte Flair. 
We are that's definitely Andrade Lozzi. Someone, there's someone for everyone, man. We don't, we don't yuck, we don't yuck someone's yum, you know. To instantly come back though, like you know, everybody hated Ronda. I'm sorry, but I, I am on the Ronda fucking hater. Like, no, you're good. I, she she retired. She was trash after the I'm, UFC. I'm sorry. I just never was a fan. And I, you know, it's kind of, wait, it's kind of weird. It's like, at one point you hated Charlotte because she keeps winning. She has the, she has the unbeatable, like, plot armor, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and then this is oh she keeps winning the title she, she loses it oh she wins it again it's like oh my gosh she's gonna be a fucking thirty time champion like, <laughs> like oh yeah most definitely and, and but the thing was I like, because my go away heat is so big for Ronda I was okay with Charlotte winning but again this 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 falls back to what you were saying about uh, our list right Vince and the Vince which mm-hmm. uh uh creative change and that was also on my list uh as well so I guess we're skipping one of mine um. Yeah, Let's like talk about it, it, it's just so iconic right now. Like you, you know, WWF, right? WWF, WWE, is the is the McMahon family family jewel, right? Like fuck, mm-hmm. like that that man being forced out of what it is 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 it's unspeakable. I can't I can't even compare that to something like that is that is an that is an industry thing on on its own. It's it's a world event. Like this is this is huge. But him being the the old boomer like mindset of how he was handling backstage things, stories, creative, it was hindering the business, and we needed this. Like I I it was getting to the point where we we were all kind of like eh, WWE's putting out a kind of a shitty product. But then it, we just got drawn back at the perfect moment, and Triple H is whether we know it's Triple H or not, right? You 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 have the idea that he has more of an input than before, and mm. for twenty twenty two to end on that note, I I can't think of a better thing for the for the company. But yeah, it's it's the fact that you know he's literally control Zing everything. Um, that that Vince has ever done, you know, Triple H doing that. True. So that's true. All right. Uh, so number four for me, uh, actually, this one I really liked because I think Jimmy, you sent me a screenshot of when this mm. happened, or you text me, um, and you're like, "He's back!" And that's Cody Rhodes returning to the WWE um, mm. at WrestleMania uh, to face Seth Rollins. I remember when the talks of that happening actually started to hit like the dirt sheets, the articles, and just everybody on YouTube, right? All the different podcasts saying like, you know, Cody Rhodes is coming back. I I will wholeheartedly say like I'm I have no problem saying that I'm like one of those bandwagon marks where like, oh he's back. That's pretty cool. I didn't like him before. Like I didn't think he was shit when uh when he had his first run, but he's one of those folks that needed to go out there, find himself, have that Drew McIntyre thing happen right like make people care about him but cody rhodes returning to the wwe was probably it should have been my number one but the reason why i think that was such a big moment for me in 2022 is it was because it was such a watershed moment for the wrestling industry as a whole you have a former executive vice president of your rival promotion jumping ship to 
the place that built him in the first place. And that, that says a lot. It says a lot about AEW and what he built. He didn't come back alone. Brandy was with him in the background. Uh, everybody remembers the first, what was it, the first All Out um, that ever happened, or All In, where he smashed the throne, taking that strike at, uh, at Triple H. And just to see him come back at Mania in a prime spot against one of your top performers, that says a lot. Um, it says a lot not only about WWE, but a lot about the promotion that he was coming from. Why is your EVP jumping ship? Why is he so willing to come back home? You know, and I think that's what I was really interested in. And what really got me is to see somebody of such high status on the indie scene slash the AEW scene um, come back to the biggest promotion in the world. You know, it makes you question, like, you know, did Cody know what was going on with Punk in them? Did Cody know the age heat with like, you know, Tony and not being able to control like the roster and not really being a boss. Like it makes you question those things. I agree with you on the the top five scale of being at number four. So there's a couple things that I, I guess I can expand on. Um, it's the first big AEW to, to WWE, right? We all uh, grown like, oh, WWE former release rah, 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 went to AEW, like all that shit, right? Everybody just rabble rabbles when fucking WWE goes to AEW. Fuck it, man. People are getting a job. Why the fuck you like wallet watching, right? Like, I, I just hate that hater bullshit of like WWE going to AEW. Anyway, Cody, I, I was never, I cannot be a mark for Cody. I guess I didn't watch the era of he was being like Stardust. I, it was shitty. I've seen like things like fucking like, like yeah, that. That man was bad, but he worked. Uh, I respect it. He works. He worked hard. He dashing right. I didn't watch that era. Thank fucking god. But anyway, <laughs> dashing was cool. He made it work. He made it work. I I I watched clips of it. I respect it. I get it. I get it. And man, that man, he made it. He he tried to do it. He tried to get over. But he has to leave, right? He, he he has to go on that journey of self-realization and like self finding himself. And and JPW, beautiful, right? He did he he just did amazing work. Turn turn blonde, <laughs> and then uh, he yeah, it's the EVP. Like you lose that, and then you you send a message with the throne smash, and then all of a sudden, like AEW in the beginning was really like hardcore shitting on like wwe like if you remember the first few episodes i'd say like they just constantly bash on wwe and we like that shit right you want to mm-hmm. you want to be the the healthy rival and that and that's what's great about AEW for me too but having cody being that big big name like you 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 just wonder like you said like did he see it coming like did he see did he see the writing on the walls where CM Punk was toxic supposedly to the locker room and do you do you think that because of Tony Khan being just a I'm we're going to get shit for this I think like a rich kid with like action figure like wrestling action figures right like is mm-hmm. is, is it a mess like is it how big is it how big is that mess in the backstage and we'll never know as the common peasant fans right so it's it's huge and it's unfortunate that such a big thing got 
got slowed down and, and marred because of a, that such a horrid injury. But man, did that guy work through it. And he put on, what, three? Three good matches with Seth? Uh, uh, yeah, that was just, yeah, quite a few. I I was never sold on. I I don't know. Perhaps I'm still not, and maybe I'm a little. I'll get I'll give him a chance when he comes back, right? I still want him to be the hopeful Royal Rumble winner, but we can get into that another time. But he's about to win it with two torn pectoral muscles. <laughs> I mean, hey, like he he works hard for the for the company, and that. The I can respect the fact that Cody wants the WWE strap for the honor of Dustin Rhodes, and I can respect that wholeheartedly. Whether I'm not not over on him yet or not, but I I can see myself turning into a mark for that sense, where he is the prodigal son returning to the mm. company in which his father grew up with, and I I would like that. I would like that for him. Yeah, it's definitely someone you can root for. And then um, for my number four, Jimmy, you kind of touched on this earlier, but it was kind of just all the different releases and signings between the two companies. Um, and, you know, other companies as well, because I think that kind of really changed, you know, the landscape of things. Um, and it kind of gave life to, you know, AEW because they had all these big names coming over, you know, Andrade, Moxley, DB. Um, Adam Cole, you have all these, you know, big names in WWE switching over. Um, and, you know, that was kind of like when I started watching AEW, too. And, like, I don't know, I think it's really silly, you know, the kind of the rivalry. Like, I, I appreciate the rivalry between the two companies, but I think fans are stupid when they're like, I'm diehard either or. I'm like, dude, if you're a pure wrestling fan, if you really love wrestling, you can enjoy either promotion because of the wrestling they're putting out. And they're all great performers, dude. Like, you got to love those guys. Jurassic Express, fucking, um, you know, everybody else over there doing it. Like, they're, they're freaking, um, they're dope. So, like, I don't know. I, I think that was just a big thing because that really helped, you know, kind of build up AEW because they had traction and stuff like that, but they are kind of missing those star names. Like, they, they have, you know, people that are big on the indie scene, but they don't have people that were, like, big enough around the world or, you know, the demographic that they're looking for so i think it's kind of cool and i think AEW is going to be you know around uh for a while because of it um and you know i i just like enjoy both programs because of that my theory on the releases and signing especially like the releases from wwe is vince did that on purpose in my opinion in my theory he did that on purpose knowing that tony khan would sign everybody and anybody that he released to, and that was like Vince's way of oversaturating his system. But that's just me. I always it's talk about that shit. It, it, it's possible, right? You want to? Oh, if you can't, if you can't beat him in a certain way, you just hurt the wallet, right? Mm. People at Which that makes people, sense, people yeah. at that stage would just want to hurt their money flow and destroy the reputation in some other backstage sense, right? And I think that's that, there is some merit to it, right? If you make the image of him like, oh, he's willing to sign everyone I let go. Then you get people talking about it. You're like, oh, is he doing that? Like, are they just do? Are they signing it because these guys are good performers, or is he signing it out of spite of to WWE? Right. Mm, definitely. And that's a good point too. And like, I appreciate Adrian's aspect as well because like, I think it makes sense because like, if you did that, you know, there's too many mouths to feed, and they're kind of already having that backstage trauma too, where you know, not enough people are getting you know stage time, or you're either working the, uh, what's the the dynamite or whatever the the one that isn't uh Rampage? actually like 
yeah dark yeah dark there we go yeah, like dark, yeah. you know so like i think they are kind of struggling with that now because like andrade wants to come back i think rusev wants to come back too oh, that's a like so nother... yeah right so there's already some discourse going on so you know that would make sense you know from business perspective and that like that totally fits like vince's persona i feel like you know he's like oh you know i could do that fuck the little guy you know like and, and it would just fit, like, you know, Vince is the man and is the, as the character. So that, that would be funnier, you know, conspiracy theory-wise, if that was true. Um, just because, you know, he's been in the game a long time, and he's like, hey, you know what? Sure, this guy got money, but how much money do you really got? You know, like, how long can you last? Uh, that's something true. to think about. True. Yeah. Like, can you beat the Vincing Man wallet? But you Tony, know, you just cannot. Yeah. Tony that's Khan, the machine right Tony, there, yeah. Tony Khan has the potential, but it's like, it's going to dry up if it doesn't continue with success, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, most definitely. Like sharing TV time and like Miro situation, right? You and it, it ties back to in our in, in our beginning where we were like, hey, why do we like wrestling, right? You like going back to the thing where, hey, we like it because of this person. Man, like it sucks seeing Miro and Drade like not getting TV time, especially Miro. And it's just like, mm-hmm. what's going on here? Like he didn't get it here, but he didn't get it here in this company. Like, what, what is going on? Like is he yeah. too demanding? Like we don't we don't know these things, but it's like, God, do you wish well for him to have a great run for one fucking time? Right? Yeah, most definitely. Bring back Lana, and then redo the Bobby Lashley. <laughs> in oh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I want to see them make out again. That was <laughs> fucking horrible. That was the time of Vince. I'm just like, yo, you need to go, man. He's doing it yeah, for his own entertainment. <laughs> He was, something he, about he that. to eat like 50 tables, dude. Remember when she was just getting body slammed? <laughs> That's her face. Yeah, by, like by, Naya, oh my god. Yeah, by Naya before they released her. That, and she's like, this is going somewhere. They said, I'm going to get the belt eventually if I take 30 tables. So, that was good. That was, that was good entertainment. I, I, I'm sorry. I, seeing her getting decimated was like kind of kind of entertaining. But... It was fucked up, though. I, mean, I was like, you know what, Lana? I hope you get the belt <laughs> after this 30 table yeah. shit. So uh, it looks like Everybody got their number fours, or Jimmy, you want to do a personal spin on your number four? Or... Well, the Cody, I mean, I said my piece, man. It's just, yeah. I, I'm i not sold on him for my own reasons, because yeah. I, it's like, I just never... It, I, I think it ties back to this. So it, it ties back to the AEW part, where it's like, I saw articles and stuff, but I also I viewed it in the same way, where I thought Cody kept putting himself over in AEW. Right? I, I feel like I saw that myself where it's like he had the he not to the extent of the Cena will win kind of thing like he will win mm-hmm. and you just hate that and Cody Cody for me was just like fuck if he if he if he gets into a TNT match I, I think he's gonna win and he got he got it what three times and like I just hate it like he he couldn't put somebody else over like mm-hmm. and, and that left a taste in my mouth for me. That's that. That was the thing for me, and I I always thought like his his run in AEW was the fact that he isolated himself from the main strap, and that's what people didn't like is the fact yeah. that he kind of why... pulled the sacrificial lamb type deal. Yeah, why did he agree? Like, what well, one of the very first matches was that? It's like, oh, if I lose, I'm never going for the AEW strap. Like, eh, what? Why? Like, if you want to be a top guy, every wrestler, single re- singles wrestler should be vying for, like, heavyweight title, right? Ideally. 
Like, you don't want to be the forever mid-card guy. And that's that's how I viewed Cody in AEW. He was always the mid-card guy, even though he wasn't trying to present himself to be. And it's just weird for me. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I think it also has to do with, like, he knew his... Um, he knew his... His status as EVP. So it's like, okay, if the EVP goes and wins the main title, you know? Sure. I think that's why he kind of booked himself into a corner yeah um, with that too yeah, yeah i i he definitely booked himself to a corner but hey i mean uh, the rebirth in wwe where he can he can look good with the title mm-hmm. like he has to be the one that dethrones fucking roman <laughs> like I, damn but uh, that's a whole nother topic but <laughs> I, I also yeah. agree that seth can be that guy Right, the only Seth. guy who never lost to Roman in all of his crazy reign with the bloodline, like they they had a draw, they never finished it. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that. I would love to see Seth and Roman like tear it down again. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Cody, we're talking yeah. about Cody. Cody's gonna be that guy. I'll. Uh... <laughs> you heard it here, Chris. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. Number three for me. Close, close and near and dear to my heart. Well, it's, it's Bray Wyatt my returns. It's my number yeah. three as well. Yeah. yeah. 100%. My whole thing is Bray. I, I, again, I was watching during the Shield era when, you know, the, the trifecta um, debuted. So you had Ambrose, Roman, and Seth all debuted. Then, like, a couple months later, you had the Wyatt, the original Wyatt family. Um, debut. I, I didn't really watch much of the Husky Harris um, stint that he had with like the the original Nexus coming from NXT, like when NXT was like a game show or a reality show back in the day. He was just super different, you know. Um, Bray Wyatt was very different. He had that like uh, Charles Manson vibe. Um, like he did. He definitely didn't fit your persona of like a wrestler, but there's just something about him. And to me, he really had that aura he never he was never able to touch it he always had that potential but was never able to get there like that same emotion i would feel when i would see like taker like whether it be like the phenom or the dead man or like ministry taker like he had he had that aura about him um up until like when he went away for a while and came back as firefly funhouse uh bray wyatt i think that's where i was super sold because it was a mega different nobody's ever seen anything like that before Right, you had the whole Mister Rogers thing going on. Um, you had the puppets, and it was one hundred percent organically him. And it was big because it was like, is Vince really letting you do this uh, with this gimmick, making a puppet of him as the devil, mm-hmm. saying that he's you know obsessed with money, fire promos, and just a super fire gimmick in the fiend. I I I was completely sold on him. One of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Um, I have. His mask, the stupid expensive mask. I have the leather jacket and all that stuff. I have the gloves. Um, I have the Funko Pop. I, I love The Fiend. The Fiend was like probably my most favorite gimmick of all time. Um, but there was there's flaws to it. He he was also booked into a corner because he presented a character that was unstoppable, right? And, you know, he got put out by Goldberg. He got put out by Roman. Um, and it just kind of sucked that that had to happen it just kind of lessened uh the impact of the fiend but to have him return at mania lose via distraction 
because of Alexa Bliss and not get his comeuppance and never finish that storyline was really weird to me, especially if he was like pushing so much merch, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but to see him return, um, I was I was not uh, watching Extreme Rules live. I was somewhere else. Seeing seeing on my social media uh, that he came back and just the presence of it, the door, um, the Firefly Funhouse characters coming to life, the Fiend mask returning, right? Um, it was there. Uh, and also going through the Firefly Funhouse, it was all dusty, full of cobwebs. And just uh, just the whole, like, the Triple H, old school Triple H NXT, the lower mid card, um, the lower third card comes up. You think the show is over. Next thing you know, all that stuff happens. And it's 100% him again, 100% organically Bray Wyatt. This gimmick, the entertainment that he's putting on, uh, just the way that it's going. He's all right. He's on the fence right now. And I can agree with a lot of people saying, like, it's kind of getting stale because he hasn't really wrestled yet. But there's there's so much going on with, like, Uncle Howdy and, like, the fact that he's going as L.A. Knight. Just having a mind like Bray Wyatt return after being released so unceremoniously. Yeah, my number three was my number three was Bray, so I guess I'm going to expand on that, right? Yeah. Uh, cult leader Bray. Absolutely magical. You loved it, but it's like it's like you said, it's just that little bit of push that he was missing until Elimination Chamber, and that shocked the shit out of me when he actually won the strap. I could not believe it. I was already a fan of Bray at that point because his his like like that that southern drawl and like that cult leader with the Hawaiian shirt and like that just everything about that was just so good. Like he was so good on the mic. He's great in the ring and it's just great moveset, everything. And he he paces himself so well in everything. And Elimination Chamber, getting the strap. I didn't think he was going to win. Like, uh, and That was step one of, like, you knew this guy had, had it back there. And then, it, like, to have a mythical uh, character is very, very, very hard. And I think I can say that he he's the only one that has successfully pulled off a Undertaker-level type of character in that sense the mythical like the the undead fucking character like it was kind of grounded in reality almost yeah but it was still that it just had that feel right it had that old nostalgic feel of like man look at that entrance that entrance the let me in and then just the hardcore rock version of Oh man, I I saw that live twice, and I couldn't I couldn't compare it to any like that was my modern Undertaker entrance. Like, dare I say that? Mm. Like, I was yeah. at Hell in a Cell where that DQ happened. I wanted to, I was a part of the crowd that was yelling AEW, "Fuck you, Vince!" Restart the match. <laughs> oh, I I was there at Golden One, oh, man. Man, and I was I you had fucking Mark. Oh, I, I was I was mad. I was mad. Like, it's, it was Hell in a Cell. Why did he get a DQ? Because he Bro. fucking used the weapon? Oh, I'm sorry, are not our weapons not allowed? Oh my god, oh. <laughs> a sledgehammer to the face is where we draw the line, huh? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so you're gonna kill this man! <laughs> kill him! Kill him! And they did that, they did that match great. And it's just, he deserved, I, I think the... 
the the underlying statement for Bray always is he deserves better, right? In every aspect of his career in WWE, it's like he deserves better. He he should have had everything play out as the fiend, but it's just it became a watered down version. Sure, COVID happened, right? But he he worked through it, and in a sense, he did carry that character well. And it's, you just start those seeing those little declines where like, oh fuck, he lost the gold like Goldberg fuck and then now he's like oh that undefeatable creature is kind of human mm. and then and then this just went into like random stories with him in my opinion like it's just it just didn't connect in the end and it's like oh man what the what the fiend could have been mm-hmm. and then he got let go and then we're just like mm. what the fuck happened here like he is a money machine fuck you vince Go, go retire and fucking lay in a beach somewhere. Like, <laughs> thank you, Papa H, for for like control Zing that one because he he deserves a full full explanation of what his mind can do. Like this, yeah, I, I agree with you. It is kind of slow, and I see it too. And I I want it right. We want we want to see him in action, and that's that's the end of it, right? But yeah. He got the warm-up match with, uh, you know, don't hinder the gender, apparently, in a live event. So, oh, he, snap. He's, yeah, he, he had a recent um, live event with gender, and apparently he looked good. So, yeah. I heard he broke his finger during that event. Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't know about that. Yeah, it didn't phase him, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> just get <grew> it back. <laughs> that was a beast. I was like, dude. Even better, so we know he's ready. But yeah, um, LA Knight, perfect pairing for him to come back in the first in his first return match, right? And what, what is it like a in the dark match or some shit? Like that's that's yeah, yeah. Talking. I think that's gonna be interesting doing, to see how they kind of play that off. Because people have cameras and shit. Yeah, they're doing a Mountain Dew yeah. promotion, like pitch black, pitch black. That's what it was. The yeah, the the pitch, pitch black fight. Maybe it's gonna be like the Vin Diesel movie. Like you know, you have to wear black. <laughs> pitch <dog> black. <laughs> Chronicles I mean, of Riddick. I mean, it gets it gets that low lighting thing where it's like, is this going to be another red cage, like red Hell in a Cell cage kind of thing? Like, are we gonna be able to see shit? Like, yeah, are we just gonna see yeah. shadows fight? Like, this isn't what we want. Yeah, but Bray, man, fantasy booking, Bray. calling it right now. Alexa's gonna get involved. I I can see that, I can yeah. see that. All right, we need to see that turn pretty quickly. I think. Yeah. I want Alexa to win the strap, dude. Come on, beat Bianca. Bianca's had her time. We all love Bianca, but my God, give Alexa title again. Another Charlotte. That'd be true. Um, I have a different number three, but I did right. want to add. Um, I didn't like Bray at first. Like I wasn't. Mm you know, excited about him, because it was during that period, you know, when he was feuding with Randy and shit, and then, you know, like, he got burnt, and then we had burnt-faced <laughs> Randy for a week. I was like, why is this man wearing a ski mask? Like, you know, it, it was just like, like you said, Jimmy, like, they kind of dropped the ball with that storyline, yeah. and that was kind of my first impression of The Fiend, so, like, I wasn't really impressed at first, but over time, like, you know, seeing his feud with LA Knight, I do like what he's doing. I think they're, you know, I'm ready to see them fight already. I think they're going to have a great match. But, like, the thing I could appreciate about The Fiend is, you know, his performance. And I think if you like The Fiend, you got to like other guys, you know, just like The Undertaker. Like, he's not a fucking dead man, and his brother didn't come back from the dead to, you know, fight him, you know. Same with the Orange Cassidy. If you like Orange Cassidy, you know, Dan Housen, guys like that. 
you got to be able to appreciate his performance too, you know, because they, they bring something different to it. Um, and they can wrestle as well. So, you know, that's not a bad thing, but, um, to tie back to my number three, um, my, my, it's not really a top moment, but I did want to call it out was, you know, um, Sasha and Noemi dropping the belts, you know, and just walking away from everything just cause I thought, you know, that was pretty, a pretty crazy moment. And it kind of, you know, it, it kind of set the tone for everybody else. Like, you know, like I, I call it like the same as, you know, like asking for a raise or something or, you know, looking for something better and they're not really giving it to you. So like, I, I think it's unfair to fault them for that. I know, you know, not everyone agreed with them leaving. Like I'm sure they kind of done it, you know, a different way, but in that moment, you know, they felt it required something that drastic. So I give them that credit. You know, I wish that they brought back Sasha. Um, from what I heard, you know, I, I use Google, but they said that she was looking for, you know, um, for like money, like Charlotte money, um, you know, um, that that type of money. Um, but they weren't willing to give it to her. So, you know, if she does show up in AEW or anywhere else, man, I, I'll be a fan of her. Um, Naomi, too. You know, she's married to the Ooze, so she's she's down. <laughs> so. I think I think they have like a, a better chance of getting Naomi back and somehow making her part of the bloodline. I don't think it's likely, but um, that's the only way I see her coming back. And like with with Sasha walking out too, uh, I think it's just so reminiscent of like Stone Cold walking out and CM Punk walking out. But I feel like yeah. they'll they'll never like they'll never make the same mistake or like even chase her while she's out the door. You know, so I mean, she's already done it twice. Like, she can leave again. Yeah, yeah, you know, it makes whole, sense. You know, the whole Bailey, Bailey and Sasha tag thing that happened with like the iconics, right? Them dropping the belts. I, um, I don't see them chasing after Sasha right now, but I do agree that that was like a big moment for, um, for twenty twenty two as well. What was it? Sa- Sasha has rumors of going to N- NJPW. Is that is that uh, maybe right? there maybe AEW too? Yeah, one of the two though. I think I think I saw more of the and NJPW stuff. Um, yeah, off of uh, what was it? JD from NMY. Uh, um, and she like filed like a bunch of like trademarks for trademarks. new names. Yeah, um, new moves and stuff. So yeah, I mean, we all we just want we just want Sasha back on the fucking air, man. Like. She's a great in-ring performer. She has the attitude. She has the. She just has that it factor. Yeah. Back's not long. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta stop it with that. <laughs> I don't remember. first and last episode. <laughs> Cancel. No holds barred, man. No holds barred. We just we just talk shit. That's that's all it is about this. Um, number two for me. The CM Punk controversy um, with with AEW, I I'll be the first to say that I don't really know too much of what happened backstage. Like I'll I'll read up on articles. I think um, it was the media scrum for me that that really caught my attention. I've I've been a Punk fan uh, for the longest time. I missed his post ruthless aggression era where he was with the Straight Edge Society. I didn't really. I watched too much of that, but I started gaining interest back in like 2000, 2011 when he was on his second title run, um, when he was like the top baby face, but never, um, never really got that, that spot, um, at the top because he didn't have that look where he was having those feuds with the returning Jericho with Ryback. Um, I was a fan of that punk, um, and his pipe bomb. Right. Um, but to see him go off and on the media, in the media scrum, talking about um, Kenny Omega and the Bucks not knowing what they're doing, 
sitting right next to Tony Khan and really just kind of throwing his EVP, EVPs into his face. And just to hear what happened backstage, I think that was such a, that was another big like watershed moment, um, probably almost as big as like the MJF pipe bomb, because again, you're calling out your, your executives um, saying that they're going into business for themselves, even though technically you're doing the same thing. It's like, you know, why are you complaining when they just put the title back on you? Um, that's a whole other thing. And just to kind of shed light on how AEW is running in, in the backstage, because you could do whatever in the ring and leave it all out there. But I feel like backstage chemistry, backstage politics is what's going to make or break your company. Right. So I think that was like another big moment. And then Tony Khan trying to follow it up. Uh, my favorite part of that media scrum where he was talking to the all the press and saying, like, you know, I got a lot more fucking money than Jim Crockett and I'm not going to take this fucking shit. And then his like cocaine eyes were hella big, just kind of looking at everybody. And I feel like that's really like kind of like the almost for me, the downfall of AEW and its decline. I, I had CM, the CM Punk controversy as well. But I, I took it off the top five, as as we were writing it up. Um, yeah, the media scrum is definitively it, right? That is the the turning point of the current AEW status, I'd say, right? It, it the allure of AEW in the beginning of 2019, all the way up to that point, was pretty smooth, right? It had it had quality matches, decent continue continuity with stories, but now it's just a fucking action figure booking mess like oh we're gonna put like brian danielson with this guy for one day and then we're gonna do this guy for one day like there's nothing can like that's continuous that makes sense like it's just feels forced a lot of things feels forced right and i think with that said it's it felt like they had to do something with punk and it like it forced his hand they had to make an example out of him that that you did you you're selfish you're talking shit about your co-workers even though you're preaching the fact that you are you are humbled and you're willing to work with the younger ones and but then you end up just straight up shitting on them like it's 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 hard for us right like i didn't watch any bit of cm punk as it happened in wwe i've i've only watched like highlights and clips once i got back into wrestling and i i, I understand the cm punk um importance to the to the world of wrestling right <clears throat> he became in a sense the anti-establishment guy that stone cold level was but not to the point of beating the shit out of vince but he was a terror to vince right and that is that is he is the icon of that era in the mid 2000s uh, of the 2010s and stuff like that um i i guess i didn't appreciate it as much but i did appreciate the return right cm punk's is like iconic name and once he came back to AEW, like this is huge this is something big like you shouldn't fuck this up and somehow they kind of did but is it his own doing or is it tony khan's as well right and I, th I and a lot of it falls back on him. Like you should be responsible for your own actions. And hey, he said what he said, and he's paying the consequence for it, right? It it, it just it just dragged the company down. Like everybody wanted him to have a strap, like the strap, and 
then this happens it's like now you're forced to take it away from him immediately like fuck now now it's like AEW's in a whole bind and there's still experience the fallout from it right now like what could have been with CM Punk and MJF like my god that would have been a magical like huge payoff that should have been it's just sad man uh, I was gonna say um I, I think that's definitely a big moment um CF, CM Punk is a big star um, I, I didn't really watch him like when he was, you know, at his height in WWE. That's when I kind of stopped watching at that period. I did see him in the UFC though, and uh, he lost a lot there. Um, and then you know, oh, yeah. see, see the <laughs> though. I forgot you um, deep punk. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he was yeah. even doing that for 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 a little bit, and like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm just not really a fan of him. I can't comment too much because again, I, I don't know him too much. Like, I've seen the different interviews about what happened to him after, and you know. All the different he said, she said kind of stuff, you know, like, mm-hmm. I know, like, um, what's his face? Uh, Eddie. Eddie doesn't like him, uh, you know, when they had their feud. Um, and, you know, he, he doesn't have good. I think he genuinely. Yeah, yeah no, like, he genuinely. Yeah. And that was, like, one of the things I was exposed to and, you know, kind of hearing his thing. And I like Eddie Kingston, you know, he, he's a dope dude. Um, So, uh, I don't know. I can't comment too much on him, but uh, I'm not about punk. I know he did the straight edge shit. I like to smoke, drink, and, you know, do all that stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> and like we said, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, no holds barred unhinged yeah. podcast. You one hundred percent here. Yeah, we are Cali boys, so. But I think yeah, like just like with with everything that went down with Punk, it's it's really sad to see because I really felt like you know you have this dude that really rallied himself with with the crowd, especially back in WWE to be treated fairly, like to be treated as a main event star that can hold that spot at Mania. Um, and you wanted to believe that with his his uh, his run with AEW, but it presented a holier-than-thou type vibe. You know, he does have the experience. He does have that background. And I feel like he really wanted to, to enforce that and like kind of bring that to light to you know, a company that's still technically newborn, you know, but yeah, I just, you know, it kind of broke my heart, man. Like punk kind of broke my heart uh, after that, after that media scrum. So, so cool. We can go ahead and segue into our number one um, spot for uh, moments of 2022. Uh, we did talk about this a little bit earlier, so I won't talk too much. My number one was Vince McMahon retiring. We're seeing an old man that's out of touch with, what the crowd wants um and he does have a vision he did have a vision and he did have that mind like you can't you can't you know disregard everything he's done for the industry but also you can't disregard all the stuff he's tried to cover up that he did you know and as, as much as we joke around like just just the, the trials the um you know the hush money you know and him trying to come back right now saying that he's he wants to come back and you know take the reins again i don't i don't think that's happening anytime soon i don't think you know stephanie and them would let them but there's again i'm into i'm into conspiracy theories when it comes to professional wrestling we never know maybe he's still holding the reins somehow in the background he's just not part of the actual show yet you know cuz he's technically not retired from the corporate shit Right. But again, another another big moment and we're definitely seeing what WWE can be and how competitive they can be and how they're willing to kind of like rectify and redo everything 
that that was done under under his uh under his control like with all the signings and all that other stuff right? uh, but I, I totally agree i know we kind of talked about it earlier because that was my top five i just want to give him my number one spot because you know evidence even though we, you know respect what he did for you know building up wwe but I, I don't think he should come back you know it's not a smart business investment you know just because of the controversies like i think he just he wants more money on the payroll so he could Smash some more hoes. You know how it goes, man. Oh, so. Jesus, <laughs> damn. <laughs> I mean, hey, say, I call it spade a spade. Yeah, shit. I don't know. Yeah, I think he just needs to take a step back and like let shit, let you know Stephanie and Triple H just do their thing. That he has all you know his other board members and all that stuff, and you know they're gonna be fine without him. So I think he just misses the work. You know, he could start like a new rival company, like just start a, start a whole other wrestling company, just cause, just redo it. Vince is all elite, man. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, that would be even better. That would be hilarious. Shows uh, up. Uh. Yeah. I, I mean, I we all agree that Vince leaving is just... It, it's like the 2022 moment. Like, that moment happened. You're like... We, some, it's something you never thought would happen. Eventually it'll happen. But you never thought it would happen this soon, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it's just... I pray for the day where we can have a AEW WWE invasion story. Like I loved mm, the WWE cool. WWE like wars and just fucking. The problem was now that I look back as an adult, like watching it again, like I glanced at the invasion storyline. It was a watered down version of what WCW was, right? You never got the big names because of contract problems with like Booker T until he finally came. Goldberg, you never got that. Um, yeah, you just never got those big stars, like the top guys of WCW invading. You, know, you got fucking, what was it? Chuck Palumbo or some shit? I don't fucking know. Like, hey man, tell me they're, bunch. They're, not, like, they're not top two. You're telling me Buff Bagwell's not top two? <laughs> no, fuck. Yeah. Was Lance, that, uh, Billy Lance and Chuck? Storm. Chuck? Billy and Chuck? Yeah, holy yeah. shit. Yeah, Chuck uh, Columbo. Oh, man. Yeah, but yeah, like shit like that, right? You just, you want, you want future potential. And with Vince holding the reins at, at, at that time, it's like you, you knew it was never going to happen. Like he was going to choke hold WWE to like the last breath. And we needed it. We needed it. Whether it was by controversy, unfortunately, but it's one way to get him out, right? Yeah, we needed a breath of fresh air because I could not could not deal with WWE product like that. And AEW sustained enough in which it 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 had a secondary wrestling show for us as fans. Like one got one got bad, one got good, and now it's like completely flip flopped. Like AEW is like eh, I still love it, but it's like eh, it's not as good as it what could it what it could be, you know. And then WWE now it's amazing. Like it has it has a lot of things. I do one thing. Triple H fucked up on is just my fucking god shit row. Shit row should not be back, man. I'm sorry. They deserve to be stay gone. If if anything, put them back to NXT. They they need more time. But I, I know what you mean. Like they they need more time to develop. They're just not. They're not it right now. They need Swerve back. Top, top, <laughs> dollar, top dollar. Top dollar. Just man, that man. Just that botch was horrible. 
No, that was amazing, yeah, he, man. He's not over the top. That's why he's called Flop Dollar now. Dude, <laughs> Flop, Flop Dollar indeed, man. He needs hey, hey, Hit Row. I got, I got, I got high hopes for Hit Row because, hey, man. Oh no! They're just missing he's that one. They're missing a de facto leader. That's the only problem with them, dude. Hey, man, take Rick Shea and put him in Hit Row. Calling it's it right be, now, book it, Triple it, H. It, it, no, I want somebody random. I, I want Edge to be the manager or somebody. Just... <laughs> well, and then they betray, and then they're going to betray yeah, them, right? <laughs> Judgment oh, Day Part 2. Oh. <laughs> Judgment Day Records. Uh, this isn't my number one, but can I give an honorable uh, mention to Ric Flair's last match? This is like Ooh. his 30th last match, so hopefully 2022 is the year. This is the last one, officially. That man died in the ring, literally, didn't he? Like, his heart stopped? I, I think so, at one point, but it can't yeah. mean he's still here. But he needs to stop. Uh, he, he, you can only have so many last matches. Yeah, that that's just... I think that's disrespectful to the Shawn Michaels match, too, honestly. It really is. I know, because that was, that was a solid-ass match. He should have just left it at that. You uh, ended it on one of the most iconic, like, clips, man. Just fucking, I'm sorry, I love you, and then super kick. Like, that is that was definitively final match, right? Yeah, everything since is you know it's just been whatever. So, but hopefully this is the final one. TNA fucked uh, it up too though by bringing him back. Yeah, I mean Jay Lethal, Jay Lethal and Andrade carried that fucking match. There's no doubt about that. I mean, there's oh, 100%, only, yeah. only so much they can do. <laughs> no, yeah, because otherwise it's just two old dudes hugging each other. Like, hey man, Jericho <laughs> can still go. I'm just doing this thing. I know he's still go. That, he's that man is in shape for his age. Shit. Rick, nah, he's better shape than me. Shit. Rick Flair yeah, can. Rick Flair is about to fucking broke, <laughs> man. Fuck Jeff Jarrett. Hey, no. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh my god, dude! I can't wait. If, I can't if wait Jeff to, uh... Jarrett and Jay Lethal go over the acclaim, they won't. Um. Dude, no. I, I will rush the ring myself. <laughs> are you guys going to uh, the San Francisco just the revolution, or are you going to Dynamite? We're going to Dynamite, too. Oh, you're going to Dynamite? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we ended uh, up getting uh, seats by the by the entrance ramp. Oh, shit. Yeah, we're a little farther back. We're, we're definitely going to be, we're going to have to like look over some people's heads, but we're right there. I haven't gotten dynamite tickets and I'm I'm thinking about getting it, but it's Cow Palace, so I don't want to get my car bipped. <laughs> hey man, you oh, could just man. you could just park your car here and then we'll just take a lift. We're only five oh, yeah, minutes yeah, away. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's true. we're pretty close. That's true. That might be a thing. Yeah. I'll hit you guys up for that. But Revolution, we're sitting next to or near each other, so hey, we're gonna fucking like We'll have <sighs> content. We'll have content. <laughs> <sighs> we'll have content hey be on the lookout everybody that's listening all five people out there listening uh we're gonna have hoodies hey. hello over hoodies with a qr code on the back <laughs> oh god right, you out there. <laughs> we'll have content uh, but, uh, for the fool number one uh mine was just like the bloodline and the domination that they've had this year and, and you know like i'm a bloodline we the ones baby i don't think we're ever gonna see that again like you know, Roman's the longest reigning champ right now. The Usos, they took over the, the longest reigning tag team champs. And, like, I don't know. We just got to see Solo get a belt now, too. And, like, I know it's going to come to an end pretty soon. You know, with Sammy, they're going to portray him. Or, you know, vice versa, something's going to go down pretty soon. But, you know, for what they're doing right now, it's just been amazing. So we got to call out the Usos and give them their uh, 
give them their due. They have definitely honorary workhorse uh, top tier lists. Yeah. I have always been a closet bloodline hater, just saying. But I cannot <laughs> deny I cannot deny it. Like it sucks, right? It's just like you you can't deny how hard they're carrying the company. I think it's dragging So here's the thing. If you're complaining about if people are complaining about Bray dragging, isn't this kind of the same shit over and over dragging, right? It's just in that sense. I would say yes, just because they've been up there that long. Yeah. I would say Sammy Sammy like brought a little bit more life back to yes. it. You know, he brought a little bit more flavor. 100%. Yeah, but like after after Sammy's gone, like the only way they can go is down. You know, they have to lose those belts. Cause how the fuck are they gonna be eighty years old and still reigning champs? Like, nah, give it up. Like, I don't know who's gonna take it though. That's the big question. Is like who who deserves that honor to you know take those belts off, Roman? The downfall will happen, and the and the WrestleMania one that everybody fantasy books and I think is probably happening is eventually KO and Sammy are gonna be the ones taking the tag straps, and then mm. Cody Cody dethrones Roman, right? Or The Rock? <laughs> uh, Possibly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say Cody more than The Rock. The if blood, it's The Rock, the one that has to take their break because they have to be away from TV. It's that classic thing. You have to be away from TV for people to appreciate you once again, and that's what that's what Usos and Roman deserves right now—a long fucking vacation because they had their time, yeah. right? They're carrying it, and then so you could probably have Solo just fucking like build more of his like singles name just like that. Yeah, he could do his own thing. He'll just yeah. be like Umaga. Like yeah. he's already using the, the skill set. He's yeah. truly becoming the modern Umaga, just not as fucking psycho, I guess. But that's what needs to change his finisher name, though. Spinning solo. Yeah, like, dude, just call it, it call it the tribal slam. Yeah, some <laughs> shit like that. Yeah, I'd be down. Yeah. I was gonna that. say the Han Solo, but you know what? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Han Solo. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of my one of my wrestling like buddies, he was like. He was like an interesting title. Like you want Solo to have a title, right? And if he had a title with the Bloodline during this time, I logically thought like, hey, he was gonna win a mid card title, right? He said an interesting thing that I didn't agree with until I thought about it. It's like, why don't you put the twenty four seven strap on him, right? I agree. Make, I agree. Make, because oh. he is. You're gonna make two things happen. You're gonna make the twenty four seven title irrelevant because he's that enforcer type. You're like. Fuck it, come at me. Come at me 24-7. Anytime I'll beat your ass. Right? Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be that'd be like a way to make it work. And two, it's just it puts a it puts a belt on him where it's like come at me, man. Come at us. I will we will take you on anytime. And it becomes a hardcore like the hardcore title, but watered down, obviously. Yeah. But yeah. it it just brings that relevance back and it has a nice look to it to him. And if it's if it's with his his gimmick from NXT being like the street champ, exactly, like Samoa, right? It's the street title, right? The twenty four seven. You could take me on on the streets anytime, right? Like, damn, we need you on creative, Jimmy. That was a good ass idea. We need oh, you no, I there. stole I, I stole that. So, <laughs> Pass us along. Yeah, oh, I man. stole that. There's a lot. I mean, a couple of my friends have some really good shit. So if we ever do like, a I was fantasy, gonna say, I like that. If we ever yeah, do a fantasy cool. booking episode, I'm, I feel like we can right fantasy booking. We're I'm gonna share. Gonna I'm sharing. Yeah. I'm sharing full credit to one of my other friends. He did a fantasy, fantasy uh, forbidden door thing where it's AEW, WWE. And NJPW, and my God, I would love to reveal that list to you guys in the future. That'd be dope. Oh man, 
Bring him on, bring him on, bring him on. Max Next knows. episode or future episode. He we'll had do that. he had the best thing I've I've seen. Like it it lined up very well. But anyway, good episode, right? Good top top five. Uh, bloodline honorary. Oh, what's my honorary? Oh, my honorary was um, Undertaker Hall of Fame man. You yes, hold, sir. you 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 see the point where he 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 has to retire. He he as a performer always wants to give you the audience the best version of himself and for for someone like that to realize that he can't do that anymore is really heartbreaking and that hall of fame speech was so so real like we finally see mark calloway right and he describes to you the undertaker i think that is the best way i can explain it he described his life as the undertaker and how iconic like growing up in 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 the attitude era like that is the one like that is the guy and he outlived many people and just decades and decades of being that still keeping it fresh from like had he never became the american badass like i don't think he would have had that second wave as the as the undertaker that we know now and it's just an icon like that is just a wrestling god like do you i wish i could see taker's entrance lot like live one time before all of this like stopped right like you wish you saw the stone cold the dx entrances but the undertaker entrance is iconic like you can't the presence was there that man is is wrestling to me that is like Hall of Fame speech was so raw and real and just presented him as like a man like going back to what we were saying what does wrestling mean for us but what does wrestling mean for us guys like this right it is their life it, it, he came from nothing he didn't he didn't really get into it until he just took a shot at it and it's just it built a life for him it built a life for Vince McMahon it built to what this industry is like it's that is an impact and the hall of fame speech was iconic for me for that so and he was definitely like you know vince's vince's greatest creation but also mm -hmm. if if you had to think about the master of like kayfabe and oh, just the really mastering what a gimmick should be inside and outside the ring um you know takers that guy and you can talk to anybody on the street and be like you know the undertaker nine times out of ten oh yeah somebody knows who the undertaker is you know and just seeing one of like you know not even our childhood hero one of our childhood heroes but like our our parents childhood heroes if they if they were like you know into wrestling like my dad knows who the take who taker is Dude, you know that's I, how yeah. yeah that's how you know iconic and how much he did like so how much clap that he had for like um like doing wrestling and just really bringing it onto like the mainstream platform. Right. And when you think of like WWE, you think of the McMahon family, you think of, you, know, you have to think of Taker, you know, yeah, there's names attached to wrestling and there's none other greater than Taker. I mean, there's only that many, right? Taker and the rock and stone cold, I guess the rock, because he's, he's famous Hollywood actor now, but <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, like Taker is that guy. Like he is the the industry for me. God, I yeah. wish I could have seen that entrance live. What a shame.
No, yeah, Taker's a beast, man. Um, Never he's seen always going to be, you know, legendary. Um, like you guys said, when you think of wrestling, like he's one of the first, you know, things that come to mind. Um, so, you know, I'm glad. I think Undertaker did it the right way. You know, his legacy is always going to be intact. Um, I wish he didn't lose at WrestleMania. Like he, oh. he should have been the one person to keep keep the streak, if anything, or at least drop it to someone who needed it. Um, you know, instead of just giving it to was it Brock again or whatever the fuck. Um, but, um. Yeah, Taker's the one. Uh, I guess he is, uh, you know, Hall of Fame speech being up there. That's definitely a top moment. That man, you know, made wrestling. So, yeah. And the good thing about him retiring is that we could finally get interviews because <laughs> he would never yeah, do yeah. interviews, you know. So we really get to see the real, like, you know, mean Mark Calloway right now. Like this fool's out here doing hot ones on YouTube, you know, in, in, his, in his gear, <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, you're looking at Taker eating chicken wings. That's fucking crazy. Right. Yeah. Um, and you get to yeah. see, like, you finally get to, he finally gets to tell his story, you know, um, outside of like the Taker persona. And he, he left that out on the ring. I would, I would have honestly wanted him to retire officially at like mania, um, not with a match, uh, but just like have that, him leaving the hat. I know he did it before and then he came back, but him leaving the hat, leaving the boots um, at Mania. But I, I feel like Survivor Series. Was it Survivor Series or was it. Um, when did he. When did he officially retire? Like, uh, like his. Was I've it Survivor count. Series like the previous year? I've lost count, man. Yeah, multiple times. How many times has this fool retired, it's, right? It's <laughs> like, I, like, it go, goes back to that fucking, you know, taking off the coat, the gloves, the boots. Like, that should have been it, man. But he, he had one more in him, I guess. But it's, uh, it's just. I mean, what did he retire? I don't remember. Was it Survivor Series? Yeah, uh, I feel like, like, where they made it, like, the, the Undertaker's, like, farewell was supposed to be, like, survivor series or whatever i i, for, I honestly forgot because he's done it so many times it slips my mind yeah. right now but so that's a wrap for the first ever episode of hella over jimmy ken it was a pleasure just chopping it up over professional wrestling uh redneck anime if you will redneck so anime. happy new year to everybody to those who are listening be sure to tune in every other week for some more pro wrestling content you can find us on spotify Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you marks like to get your wrestling content. Um, our goal for this podcast is to hit 50 listeners to unlock ambassador ads on anchor.fm. So help us get monetized. We love talking about wrestling. We love all things professional wrestling. So share this with your mom, your dad, your auntie, your uncle, whoever the hell you can think of. And we'll catch you on the next one. Peace out, y'all. Hello, over.